your injury, injury risk does go down. If you're struggling at the end of longer runs, a lot of times it's because you go out too fast and you you start fading towards the end, um, which can still happen if you're keeping your heart rate in check, but it helps you pace a little bit better. helps you, you start off easier and hopefully have a little bit more gas left in the tank as well. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. This episode is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN Nutrition is powered by Superstarch and it delivers that steady, long lasting energy without the spike and then the crash. I had to take a moment to spark off this episode and share the exciting news of their long awaited energy gel called UCAN Edge. UCAN Edge represents a quantum leap in how runners will fuel for their long runs and their races. It is the first and only on-the-go training fuel powered by Superstarch. Edge puts you in the ideal performance state by keeping blood sugar stable so you can work smarter and harder. The next generation of sports fuel has arrived, runners, and I've been using UCAN Energy during all of my long runs and races since its inception and love their new Edge fuel as it is the most delicious energy gel you can find on the market and it's powered by their true tried and trusted super starch so you can't go wrong with that so since you are a part of our healthy runner community you will get 20 percent off all of your orders at youcan.co just use the code healthy runner during checkout when placing your order go ahead and give you can edge a try for your next long run trust me you won't regret it all right. Have you heard of heart rate training? Are you curious as to how this can be beneficial to you as a runner? Um, have you ever heard of someone telling you to slow down your runs in order to get faster? Welcome to episode 135 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I have with me in the amazing Denny Cray, who will give you a much better understanding of heart rate training and why slowing down can be so beneficial to you and your training. Thank you so much for accepting my invite, Denny. Oh, appreciate you putting it out there, Dwayne. Looking, looking forward to having some fun today and hopefully maybe helping people understand how you can run slow and still race fast uh, and, and enjoy the process at the same time. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Um, for those that have been hiding under a rock and is not familiar with Denny's uh, work, uh, he's got a, a pretty impressive body of work. Um, he is a retired athletic trainer. He is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. 
Um, he's a full-time running coach and podcaster um, on the Diz Runs Radio podcast. Um, he wrote his first book in 2018, Be Ready on Race Day. And he's currently working on his second book, which is just amazing. Um, but Denny, just like a lot of our belief system within the Healthy Runner podcast, he's a big believer in injury prevention. Um, and he's also a big believer in heart rate training and specifically the MAF uh, method. So we'll get into some of that today. Um, and you can check out all of Denny's uh, goodness where he talks about running life and everything in between at dizruns.com and the dizruns podcast. Um, so yeah, in this episode, we're going to really kind of chat about some of the common questions that we get all the time within our healthy runner community. Um, what is heart rate training? What is the MAF, you know, training and how can it make you run faster? You know, what is a good heart rate when training? Um, how do you start? Um, you know, utilizing heart rate training, how long does it take to train heart rate? And is heart rate training the best way to train? Um, these are some of the common questions that we get all the time. Uh, Denny on the show, uh, we always like to start with a little dynamic warm up because we're all about movement here at Healthy Runner. So I shared your brief bio, but can you tell the listeners, you know, where you call home and or where you will be calling home very shortly, hopefully, fingers crossed, right? Yeah, that's, uh, a that's, little that's bit. a loaded question. Sorry, go ahead, Dwayne. <laughs> Yeah. And a little bit more of your backstory on how you've gotten to this point in, you know, both your running journey and your career itself. Yeah. So currently as of recording this and, and those listening live in the, in the Facebook group, I call Lakeland, Florida home. Um, but in all, all according to plan in the next two weeks, I'll be calling Evans, Georgia home. We are in that, that, you know, hanging on the, the edge of our seats with making sure everything goes through with the purchase of, of a new home and just kind of lost the purchase of our current home. So having to deal with financing and blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're planning to move to Georgia soon, hopefully in a couple of weeks, if not, maybe a little bit longer if things kind of really fall apart, but uh, eventually we'll call Georgia home. And, um, you know, kind of like, I don't know if it's, if it's, I know it's not super common, but I, you know, have similar conversations with folks on my, on my podcast is like, you know, how did you get started in running? And, and there's a certain percentage that we're never runners. Uh, in fact, maybe would go so far as to say that they hated running and I would be in that, that category. I thought running was, was ridiculous. It was something you did as part of another sport, as part of a quote unquote real sport. Uh, maybe it was what you did in the off season to prepare for the, the, the actual sport season that, that you were participating in. Um, and that was my relationship with running all the way up through high school. Um, I mean, I can even remember uh, you know, friends at the lunch table in, in high school being like, Hey, you know, I think we're going to go out for the track team. Are you going to come with us? And like literally laughing at them. Like, no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, you know, if I, if I'm going to run to prepare for baseball season or hockey season or whatever, like I'll do it. But a sport where all you do is literally you show up to practice and you like, that's the worst part of every practice is the running. And so track where I'm just going to show up and then run the whole time. Like, no, like the non-starter, not going to do it. Um, and then fast forward a, a handful of years, you know, get, going through, like I ran a little bit in college just for kind of the, the, keep the, the beer belly in check and, and things like that. Try to try to stay somewhat appealing to the, to the ladies. Um, but when I was in, in grad school, I was working with the, the, uh, track and cross country team primarily at middle Tennessee state university. And I was, I was the athletic trainer. So I had to be at practice the entire time. And, and we had a pretty loose schedule. Uh, and that practice kind of was technically from like three to four thirty, but like you could kind of show up as a runner anytime from like two to six and just do your workouts at the, at the track. So I'd be at the track pretty much every day from two to six and sitting there and 
would just get so bored that by the, the end of practice, after a few months of that, it was like, all right, well, I'm just going to run a couple of laps just to start killing some time. And I didn't particularly enjoy it, but it at least killed some time. So it was, it was better than nothing. And that kind of started the slow build to, well, maybe running's okay. And then maybe I actually kind of like it a little bit. Um, and then like, yeah, I really like running. And then you kind of started the podcast, started the blog, kind of doing some of those things. You got, obviously fast forward in a bit here to try to not make the long story any longer than it already is. But um, having a background in exercise science as an athletic trainer and, and my grad school was, was in exercise science as well. Um, a couple of people started asking if I coached runners and I was like, nah, I don't, you know? And, and then I was like, well, why, why not? Um, and kind of, you know, put, put, the, put the proverbial shingle outside the door and, and asked if anybody might be interested and got a couple of, of folks that were interested. And it's just kind of started at a trickle and, and is now, I don't know, it's not a, a raging river, but it's, it's a steady stream. Um, and it's kind of become my, my full-time gig and, and, you know, running went from something I hated to do to not only my job, but also something I enjoy. It's, it's kind of all encompassing at this point, which is crazy. I would have never thought that I'd be, you know, we'd be sitting here having this conversation 10 years ago, let alone, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, I would have laughed at you if, if you'd have told me running would be my life. And yet here we are. Yeah. And I, I think that's so common. You know, I know my story is very similar uh, to yours because I would have never thought we'd be having this conversation um, as well. And I, I think that helps us, right? Like connect with a lot of, you know, what I like to call the adult onset runner, mm -hmm. right? There's so many who, you know, either were athletes back in high school, back in college, and then, you know, life starts and you get a real job and then you buy a house and you get married and you have kids. And then it's like, you know, you're not an athlete anymore and things change. You go through like a different time period in your life. And, you know, running is one of those things that we can do as we age and to stay healthy, you know, for our mind or, you know, physical health. And um, so I'm sure that helps you connect, you know, with, number one, your listeners on the podcast, and then as well as, you know, the clients that you work with um, through coaching. Um, yeah. And how long were you working as an athletic trainer prior to saying like, all right, I'm done with these, you know, crazy hours of working evenings and weekends, you know, covering games and, and decided to go like all in on, on run coaching. It was, it was definitely like my primary gig for, I, I, I got certified in 2004 um, and left my, my last day job as an athletic trainer in, in 20, 2012, I guess, but I, I maintain the certification. I, I do a little yeah. freelance stuff here and there. Uh, and only just recently it was, it was just kind of decided I was done paying for the certification renewals and the CEUs and all that kind of stuff. Not that it was bad, but it's just, I, I've, you know, I, I like to think I kind of held it for a while as a, just in case. And I feel right. like I'm at the point now where if something really goes sideways, there's, and I need to get a quote unquote real job again, I, I couldn't see going back to that. Like you said, the hours are, are ridiculous. It's all, all kinds of travel and stuff. And it's just not at a point in my life where that is appealing anymore. So uh, finally, the last recertification period, I was just like, you know what? Thanks. It's been a good ride, uh, but we'll switch the classification to, to retired. And if, if things really go sideways, I can, I can renew, you know, and go jump through the hoops. But I, I like to think that, you know, I'll, I'll maintain the knowledge. Um, but yeah, my, my athletic training days hopefully are, are behind me now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great though, just having, you know, you as an athletic trainer and a run coach, right. Working with people because you have that knowledge of 
the common running related injuries and you have a little bit more scientific knowledge of the body and training. Um, so that, that is such a compliment and is definitely, I'm sure appreciated by the people that you work with. And before we get into heart rate training, um, you know, I was just curious about the book a little bit. I mentioned, you know, you wrote the book, be ready on race day. I'm just a little curious on, you know, why you wrote the book and if you can just give our listeners a little bit about, you know, like what type of, you know, running book is this, um, in case we were interested in, uh, reading it, I've been getting into reading myself personally, uh, to kind of wind down before, uh, bedtime and get some better quality sleep. So yeah, I would love to uh, learn a little bit more about, you know, your book. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for, for asking. It's um, the, the idea behind the book is that it's basically the process that, that I go through as, as, as much as, as I can get into, you know, obviously like I can backtrack. I I'm very much a one size fits one type of person, especially as, as a coach, you know, I, I don't really do the whole blanket program for everybody. Like everybody's got different goals, different schedules, different, different, you know, they're starting from a different place, whatever. So, uh, I, I, I struggle with just throwing something out there for everybody, but I also recognize that hiring a coach to work with somebody, you know, one off like that isn't necessarily in everybody's budget. I mean, it's not, it's not entirely cheap. I mean, I, I get it. And so, um, for, for the, the idea behind the book was to kind of help thread the needle between those two, you know, hiring a coach full-time versus just a, a generic plan and really tried to outline the steps of here's what you need to do or what I would encourage you to do, at least basically what I do to put together a, a fairly comprehensive plan for your next race. Um, and kind of looking at, you know, kind of, again, like the background stuff that I'll do with, with folks that, that hire me, where it's like, all right, what's your schedule? Like, you know, I'd like to typically do my long runs on Saturday, but everybody doesn't necessarily like to do long runs on Saturday. So why would I just jump into the scheduling and be like, all right, you're going to do this run on this day and the long run on Saturday and blah, 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 blah. When maybe you work weekends, but you're off on Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's, that's your quote unquote weekend. So like just, you know, some of those types of things where it's like, what's your schedule like, what's realistic, you know, if, if, so often, you know, I'll, I'll talk to people and they're like, yeah, you know, I think I can run any day of the week. And it's like, well, but can you though, like, are there days that you're a little bit busier or that the kids have something or that you have an obligation here or whatever. And like, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Tuesday is really kind of an awkward day to try to run. All right. Well then let's not run Tuesday. So the, the book is just all about a looking at your schedule, but also be like, then to take it from there, how do you progress? And what happens when things go sideways? Because as, as anybody who's trained for a race before knows, or certainly anybody who's coached other runners, like you can have the best laid plans and then life throws you a curveball and, and, you know, the sale of your house falls through or <laughs> something you get sick or, you know, whatever it might be that, that derails things. And like, you know, so many runners as, as I'm sure, you know, and the po folks listening, maybe I'm, I'm hitting close to home here. I, I say it with love. Y'all are so type a that like, as soon as one thing goes off the rails a little bit, it's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, take a breath. It's going to be figure outable. Um, there's oftentimes the solution's pretty simple. And so as much as I could, obviously I can't go through every possible scenario that could, that could possibly jump up, but it just kind of tried to go through step-by-step step as far as different phases of the training cycle of like kind of kept with 16 weeks, but like, you know, the first bit is a lot about building the base and then kind of getting some, some quality work and building the mileage up and then, you know, getting into the taper, things like that. Um, and how to adjust when life happens and, and, you know, like move, how to move, how I would move things around. So, you know, maybe you have to miss a run. Well, that's probably not that big of a deal, especially if you got most of your runs in. So just try to, to really create a, a kind of step-by-step -step guide to either start from scratch and create your own plan or to take a 
existing one size kind of fits all plan and really customize it. So now it's your plan as opposed to just a standard off the shelf and it really fits your life. And, and again, so that you know how to adjust as, as you go um, to hopefully make yourself ready, ready to go on race day. And it's pretty short. It's a pretty easy read. Like it's, it's kind of designed to be more of a guidebook instead of like a, a, a thick tome of, of information. Um, but something that you can keep recycling back to as, as you need to, and, and hopefully feel like you're getting more than you would get if you just downloaded whatever plan is out there that is, is for the masses, but not really for any one individual. Right. I love that. Yeah. It's definitely, it sounds like it's bridging the gap right between that person who just downloads, you know, this free spreadsheet online versus, you know, someone who is, you know, working with yourself or doing personalized, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching. So yeah, that's, that sounds like that would be a very valuable resource. And is it applicable to any race distance, whether you're training for a 5k or the marathon? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, I think the subtitle is for half marathons and marathons, but it really does scale okay. up and down. Um, obviously, you know, if, if you're training for the shorter distance or into the ultra distance territory, some of the the longer runs or things like that, you may, you may scale those accordingly. Um, but I, I definitely think that the foundational pillars are, are there no matter what distance you're training for. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't really get into much of your running background, but, um, you know, is there a specific distance that you, um, you know, favor or that you like, like me, I, I kind of call myself an avid half marathoner, but I am currently training for my second marathon. Um, is there a distance that you are like, Hey, this is my bread and butter. Like this is my favorite distance to run. Oh man, you're turning the tables on me. Cause that's the question. I <laughs> that's right. That's right. On, yes. on my show. What's your favorite <laughs> distance? Um, and I have a very layered answer. Like, like, you know, if I had to pick one, like the marathon is probably my favorite distance. It's, it's, it's such a challenge. It's such a, a physical challenge, of course, but it's also a strategic challenge. It's a fueling challenge. It's a, it's a mental challenge towards the, the final miles of the marathon and, and hoping that everything kind of comes together for you. Um, I feel like my, the, the distance that I've figured out how to really race the best is probably the half. Um, for whatever reason, for, for, you know, being a little bit shorter for being like, you know, only needing to focus for a couple hours instead of needing to really focus and dial it in for, for, you know, four hours or whatever. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of, of that there as well. Uh, but I've, I've been running more ultras lately. Um, but I feel like those for me, I don't really race them. Like those are just, you know, be out in the woods for six or seven or 10 hours and just kind of cruise around and stop at the aid stations and play with the dogs and chat to folks and, and whatever. Um, so I don't know that I would say that, I mean, obviously the races, so that is what it is, but like, I don't treat them as much as, as races. I just treat them as, as, like I said, just kind of adventures and good long runs and, and spending the day out in the woods. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I like all three distance. I mean, I don't really like anything much shorter than I, I'll, I'll dip my toes in a 10 K, but five K's are too short and too fast and too hard for me. I, I right. have no, no desire to just hammer it for, for 20 something minutes in a five K. Um, I'd rather just grind it for eight hours out on a 50 K. Uh, which is ridiculous, but runner logic, right. it is, it is what it is. Um, but I guess, yeah, long, long winded is as per usual, kind of my, my style. But if I had to say my favorite distance, it would be the, the marathon. Um, but there's some asterisks there for sure. Yeah. How many uh, marathons have you run? Oh, that's a bunch. That's, huh? that's a question. Too, too many to, to count. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I've done, I, I have a, a loose goal of running. Well, I got not really a loose goal. I have a goal of running all 50 States, a marathon in all 50 States. And I've got um, 10 States plus a DC off, off the map so far. Sweet. Um, but I've run multiple races in Florida. I've run Disney several times and, and a couple other local marathons here because it's convenient. And sometimes you just get sick of, of 
not having a race on the calendar. I'm not a real far fan, far planning race guy. Like I, I kind of just run and if something falls in my lap. I take advantage mm -hmm. of it. Um, and I've also done a, a, I don't even know how many at this point, eight or 10, maybe something I call, I call S and G marathons. So the it's, it's and giggles type of marathons <laughs> where it's just, just head out the door, um, and, and come back, you know, don't, don't come back until the watch ticks to 26.2. And so, um, I mean, they're not obviously not official races, but they're definitely 26.2 miles. And, and, um, I don't know how many times I've done that. It, it kind of lose track. I, I, a couple of years ago, I, I wanted to do a marathon every month. So either a race or a, a just a solo through town type of deal. So, um, yeah, I've, I've covered the distance 20 ish times, 25 times, something like that. Probably wow. a little more than That's half from being official races. Super impressive. I think it's helpful just kind of leading into today's topic, uh, to have that little background, but I'm curious to see, did you, do you remember if you happened to run Disney in the year 2020, like right before the pandemic happened, were you there that year? Yep. You were, yep. yeah, because that I did the goofy the challenge full. that year, so I did both the half and the full. Um, Dude, man, we could have actually been running beside each other at the half. So I, my I wife saw the, and I the did Donald the Duck medal there behind you, and I said, "Yeah, I've, I've got that one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife did her first half there. We had a great time. I was like, you know, live streaming in like Magic Kingdom as I was running through. But I remember that next day, if you remember that marathon was super humid, it was hot. It was, I think they had to like cut it, you know, cut the course down and, um, at the end there. Uh, so yeah, that was kudos to you for doing the challenge. Holy cow. But man, I I've never seen as many, like coming from like the, uh, you know, athletic training background that you have, like as many injured runners than I see at a run Disney event. Holy cow. So yeah. many ice packs and so many, I'm like, what is going on here? Do these people just not train uh, yeah. and just go um, out there and do it? <laughs> there's, there's some of that. I have, I have very mixed and strong opinions on, on Disney races. I'm a Disney fan. I, I enjoy lots of things about Disney. Um, I have a lot of things I don't enjoy about Disney, which is a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. But yeah, there's, Run Disney races are great for first timers. They're great for Disney fans. It's a, it's a massive cross section of runners that are there. But um, yeah, the, the towards the end of those races, it's it 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 be pretty rough out there for a lot of folks because of the, sometimes the heat, uh, sometimes lack of training, sometimes a little bit of of both that really come into play. Yeah, I felt like I was at like a mash unit, like at the end there. I'm like, what is walking you know, we had a race at the end of those races for sure. <laughs> I know indeed um all right yeah thanks for giving me a little background on you know some of your running and um you know let's get into this topic of heart rate training um and we really haven't i was telling you we haven't really you know we've alluded to this topic before we've talked in kind of generalizations before but we really never had honestly an expert like yourself who can share some like concrete examples and you know how this type of training has either influenced your training on all the marathons that you've run or the clients that you work with. Um, you know, so what is heart rate training? Let's start there. <laughs> yeah. So, so heart rate training, I guess would kind of fall under the umbrella of like effort-based training, um, which is maybe, a, maybe there's just completely synonyms, synonyms. I don't know, but like, it's basically trying to train at a certain level of, of exertion from your body. So with, with heart rate training, you're using your heart rate and kind of having some different levels as far as like, this is quote unquote easy. This is kind of moderate. This is kind of hard. Um, and, and having an intention for the runs that you're doing to try to work in those certain zones and, and where people can get in trouble or where it can be frustrating sometimes is what feels like it might be easy to you and what your feedback from your heart rate might be telling you 
aren't always in as, as much of alignment as what you want them to be. So a lot of the, the pushback I get from folks or, or you know, the, the complaints I get when I'm talking about heart rate training is like, well, gosh, I'd have to slow down so much. I'd mostly be walking to stay in, in you know, this, this certain easy zone. And it's like, well, I mean, perhaps, and yes, that's frustrating. And I get it as a runner. Like I, I went through it as well. It's not a whole lot of fun. But it also maybe kind of tells you that maybe your aerobic system, which is where the easy kind of heart rate levels of, of training tend to be, is in that, that aerobic base building zone. Like maybe your aerobic fitness isn't quite where you think it is because um, you've been training more anaerobically or kind of in that, that gray area between the two too much. Um, and, and, you know, if you build up that base a little bit more and, and stay focused and disciplined to, to run easy most, some, most of the time, uh, you might be amazed at how much more of those harder workouts really pay off because you've got that firm foundation underneath you. So that's kind of the, I don't know if that completely answers the question, but that's kind of the, the general you know, theory is like you're training based instead of paces, instead of speeds, things like that. It's, it's kind of where your effort is or in heart rate training, where your heart rate is using that to guide the, 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 the workout. Okay. And I know I've seen different, um, classification systems of like zones, mm -hmm. like, are there a specific number of zones of heart rate that you like to utilize like five or six zones? I, um, I like to keep it simple. I'm simple. definitely one of those, keep it simple, stupid type of, nice. of people. Um, but yes, there's different zones. Like most of, most of the smartwatches or, or different apps will have, you know, like zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five. And typically like zone two and zone one would be classified as, as definitely easy zone three. It kind of varies different, you know, based on, uh, the different uh, grading scales that they use sometimes like low zone three would still probably be easy, but you start getting higher zone three, you start to get out of that easy zone. But for me, it's, I, I, I kind of, I guess I'm a, a bit of a disciple of Phil Maffetone, who's kind of like the, the godfather of heart rate training uh, started mostly with, with some marathoners, but a lot of triathletes kind of started, you know, it's kind of where he got his, his, at least from the readings I've done, he really, really got, got some traction, uh, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. Um, but he, he kind of, you know, did the amalgamation of looking at a bunch of numbers and a bunch of formulas and basically said that like, you know, a real easy way to do it is to start at 180 and then subtract your age. And that gives you kind of the upper limit of your, your aerobic heart rate zone. So I'm, I just turned 40 a couple months ago. So that makes the numbers real easy. 180 minus 40 means that I want to keep my heart rate below 140 to stay in the aerobic zone. Now, it's not necessarily hard and fast. And there's some, some alterations that you can use. And, and a lot of times, if you look at the more complicated formulas, it keeps you within one or two beats of that 180 minus your age anyway. Um, so, so that's the, the formula I use. If I'm running easy, I'm below 140. And if I'm doing a workout, then I don't care. Like I'm going to be doing a workout and I'm going to be hammering it and my heart rate's going to be whatever it's going to be. And I don't even pay attention to it on those days. Um, but the majority of my runs are, are easy. And so they're kind of that zone one, zone two, maybe sub zone three. But for me, it's just below that, that, math number that we talked you kind of alluded a little bit maximum aerobic function is is that generally 180 minus your age so for me if i'm below 140 i'm in the the zone i want to be at okay so that is what the maf training method because i've seen that term before mm -hmm. like hey i'm doing maf math so it is using that calculation of doing 180 minus your age and making sure that the majority of your runs are in that easy zone right right and okay that's, and that's where sometimes people get I don't know that you can split hairs and you can be like a full on, like every run has to be below that, that number, which is, I'm probably closer to that. And for myself, not necessarily as a coach, but like, I just tend to keep it in that, that, that range most of the time. Um, then you have, you know, some that would be more of like an 80, 20 type of training. So like 80%, I stay in that 
sub, you know, that, that easy zone and 20% of my time I'm doing harder workouts and, and pushing things along a little bit. Um, and I don't really, like I said, I don't try to split hairs as long as you're intentional where, where, where I kind of come down a little bit harder on, on folks that are trying to really get into heart rate training is like, if you just let it drift and you're not like cutting yourself off at a certain point, and it's just like, it was supposed to be an easy day, but now you're kind of not really hard, but not really easy. Like that's where you're not doing yourself as much good. So kind of, you know, pick a, pick a side for today. Um, but yeah, that's where the MAF comes from is it's, it's a acronym, I guess, of maximum aerobic functioning. And it's, it's, but it's also like the first three letters of Maffetone's last name. So it's kind of, there's, there's some confusion there. Sometimes it's just a happy right. coincidence, I guess, as far as okay. naming, is go, naming goes. Okay. All right. So that's our maximum aerobic functioning. And if someone were to start, right. Or I guess, you know, even before we go there, you know, what are some indications or like, when would you recommend to a runner? Hey, like either what they're not hitting their distances, they're not hitting the times that they would like to for running or, you know, when are the circumstances where you're like, or is it a runner who's like constantly getting injured? Like where you'd be like, Hey, have you ever considered doing heart rate training? Like what are the indications of actually implementing heart rate training into someone's like training plan? Um, I'm biased. So, so take, take this with a grain of salt. If you're so inclined, uh, I've, I've drunk the Kool-Aid I'm hook, line and sinker. Like, like this is for me, I can't I, never say never, but I can't see a, a reason that I would go away from the heart rate training philosophies and, and all that to say, I can't think of a scenario or a type of runner who wouldn't benefit from again, whether you're all in or whether you're, you're, you're dabbling in it a little bit. Uh, of course, I think you'll get more benefit if you commit pretty strongly, but, um, I can't think of anybody from you know, anybody running longer than maybe a half a mile, um, is going to benefit from building a stronger aerobic base because just physiologically, like you can't hammer aerobically for more than eight, 10, 12 seconds, something like that. So if your race is going to last longer than that, which I mean, shoot, if I ran hundred meters, it was probably going to last longer than that. Uh, having a strong aerobic system and being able to produce energy with, with aerobic efficiency is going to be helpful. So, uh, but that, but that said to, to, to question you asked, I mean, if you're, if you're dealing with injuries a lot, running easy takes, I mean, you still have stress on the body. There's still lots of load. There's still lots of ways that you can get injured, but the amount of stress is reduced versus when you're hammering. So if you slow down a little bit and you're running easy, you're putting less stress on the joints and less stress on the, on the tissues that maybe need to be worked up and, and solidified. So your injury, injury risk does go down. If you're struggling at the end of longer runs, a lot of times it's because you go out too fast and you you start fading towards the end. Um, which can still happen if you're keeping your heart rate in check, but it helps you pace a little bit better. Helps you, you start off easier and hopefully have a little bit more gas left in the tank as well. So, um, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, so, so take it for what it's worth, but I think that just about anybody listening to this outside of your world-class Olympic sprinters, which not for nothing, they do some easy running as well to build their aerobic system also, um, would benefit from at least learning more about heart rate training or effort-based training and, and seeing where that might fit into their, into their routine. Yeah, no, that definitely. And that's pretty consistent what we've, you know, talked and shared on the podcast before, um, as far as, you know, doing the majority of your runs easy, especially if you're a novice runner, um, and beginners just kind of building up, you know, the tolerance to running and the demands that it does place on your body. So that makes sense to me. Hey, healthy runners. Are you ready for your glow up? Have you guys heard the news yet? Knox Gear signature product, the Tracer, which I have been glowing about 
See what I did there? For the better part of nine months now has just been re-engineered for a better fit, higher visibility, more color modes, and twice the LEDs for your brightest move yet with the Tracer 2. All of our healthy runners use Knox gear during this time of the year when the days are getting shorter in order to get in those runs, even if it is dark outside. One of my pet peeves is when I'm driving and I don't see a runner until the last minute because they're not visible because they're not using Knox gear. We're all about runner health on this podcast and Knox gear's Tracer 2 is an essential running tool to keep you safe and visible while running. The Tracer 2 keeps me lit up from all directions during my 5.30 a.m. runs, and I always get shout-outs and comments from other walkers and people traveling in cars because they notice the light display I'm giving off. If you are looking for running gear that will actually help you stay safe while running, we've got a special offer for you where you can save 35% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to knoxgear.com. That's N-O-X-G-E-A-R.com and use the code HEALTHYRUNNER at checkout to save 35% off. Go ahead and give Knox Gear a try. Trust me, you will never feel safer running. You know, what is a good heart rate when training? Is it just a matter of staying underneath that 180 minus your age and staying in that zone one and zone two, essentially? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's again, keeping it uh, as the most simple, like that's, that's the way to do it. And one thing where people get tripped up is like, Oh, well, my average heart rate was, was below whatever. And, and, um, without trying to go too deep into the physiology, you know, weeds here, um, you know, once, once your body kind of shifts over from aerobic energy production, which is what we're trying to get into in these, these lower levels of, of effort, once it kind of shifts into anaerobic production, it's not like a car where it just downshifts when you slow back down again. It kind of stays in that range. And it's not like it's a 100% either way, but like, you know, it, it's, it's more now more focused anaerobically. So if you let your heart rate creep too high on a supposed to be easy day, you kind of stop building the aerobic fitness broad brushes, but kind of stop, stop building as much or get as much benefit aerobically as if you keep it underneath. So um, if, if you're going to really commit to it, or at least as you kind of start thinking about it, it's not a what is my average heart rate for today's run? And sometimes it's above and sometimes it's below. It really is, at least the, ideally, you're trying to keep your heart rate below whatever your limit is. Again, whether it's zone one, zone two, whether it's 180 minus your age, kind of whatever you, or, or you do, you know, a, a more detailed test, a lactate threshold type of test, whatever, wherever you kind of get that, that demarcation line, you want to stay under it for as close to 100% of an easy run as possible. Again, if we're doing a hard workout, we're not worried about the line anymore, but if the, if the plan is to be an easy run, a recovery run, something like that, then you want to keep that, that level of effort or that heart rate below that, that line that you've established. Okay. All right. Awesome. And, you know, this is actually, we're at the time of this recording right now, for those listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube, we're doing this as a morning live. So I didn't expect there to be many people in the chat, but Hey, we got some folks uh, hopping on here on the chat and, um, you know, Christy brings up a, a good question that I'm sure you probably get a lot. And she's wondering like, what's the best way to identify a baseline? She finds herself like lost in zones at times based on effort. Based on like perceived effort, like RPE, is that what we're? That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Into? She means, okay. yeah. Um. So, so that's that's where you start to to or have the potential at least to start to blur the lines a little bit between subjective and objective, right? And and kind of what I what I tried to mention earlier, maybe didn't get get clearly across, is that 
sometimes what feels like it's easy and what your objective measurements from your body, from your heart rate are telling you are easy. They don't always line up. So, um, again, depending on how, how much you really want to lean into the heart rate training or the effort-based training type of thing, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where you, where, yes, it feels easy, but if my heart, like for me personally, just to, to put some concrete numbers to it, I might feel like I'm cruising around at a pretty easy level of effort, but my heart rate's getting into 145, 146, 147. And we've already established that my line is supposed to, supposed to be quote unquote, supposed to be 140. Well, just because I'm feeling easy, clearly my body is working a little bit harder, assuming that my, my sensors are accurate and things like that, which I, I like to think that they are most of the time. Um, as long as I've got the batteries charged and my heart rate strapped. So, you know, if I start to see that happening, then, then I try to just maintain the discipline of like, all right, well, I need to slow down. Maybe I need to take a walk break and, and really back it down a little bit. Um, because today's run is supposed to be in that, that aerobic zone. And there's so many factors that can cause things to go up. I mean, like you said, we're recording this in the morning. I used to be the runner that couldn't have a cup, couldn't run without having a cup of coffee. Well, I've quickly learned when I got hooked on this heart rate training thing, that if I have a cup of coffee or two before I head out for my run, well, guess what? The caffeine has an impact and I have to run a lot slower. I have to walk a lot more to keep my heart rate below the zone. So now I have you know, some water before I head out the door in the morning and, and, and I get my coffee afterwards. Um, if you're running later in the day, the heat can impact your heart rate. So you might still feel like you're easy, but the heat stress, especially in the summertime, brings that heart rate up to help cool your body. So, you know, you might have to slow down a minute or two per mile to keep your heart rate in that easy zone, even though it feels easy to run faster. Physiologically, it's, it's not digestion, illness, lack of sleep. Like there's so many factors that, you know, when you realize or, or you, you recognize the body as a whole ecosystem, anything that's affecting that ecosystem affects your heart rate. And if you're, again, if you're really locked in on heart rate training, you have to accept that there's going to be days where your pace is going to be a lot slower than you want it to be just to make sure your heart rate is, is in that zone. So you're building the, the aerobic base and trusting in the big picture it's going to, it's going to work out for you. So hopefully Christy, right. Was, was who asked yes. that question. Hopefully yeah. Christy, that, that helps clear it up for you a little bit. Yeah. And she does. Uh, thank you for answering her question and coach cat on our team just loves your term figure outable. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coach cat, you will absolutely love Denny's podcast because yeah, he, he talks a lot like you do and, uh, you're going to love uh, listening to his show. So yeah, she's, she's going to jive with your, with your lingo. There's, there's a few it. isms that come out when I get, <laughs> oh, yeah. when I get fired up. So be careful. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So you sold me right now on, you know, maybe doubling down on some heart rate training and someone wants to start, like what's the best way, um, for them to start training for heart rate. Um, again, I mean, I, like, I like to keep it simple. So it's 180 minus your age, but you can certainly use just the zones that you have on your, on your watch already. Um, it's going to get you in the ballpark enough that you kind of get a, get a feel for it. But I think that the big thing that gets overlooked and, and this wrinkles some, some, or rubs some people the wrong way, a little bit ruffles some feathers sometimes, but if you, with heart rate, if you're going to do heart rate training of whatever form or fashion accuracy matters and I mean, I've got my, I've got my fancy Coros watch here, but the, the accuracy of the wrist-based heart rate monitors are questionable at best. You know, yours might be perfect. It might be spot on, but, um, there's, there's journal articles out there, um, where they, they look at, you know, studies of this type of stuff and the, the variability of a, of a wrist-based, uh, wrist sensor for heart rate. Uh, I've seen plus or minus 34 beats per minute, um, which is just not good enough. I mean, you could, you could be cruising along thinking you're at 120 and you're at 158 or you could cruise around like, Oh my gosh, right. how am I at 160? I feel like I just started. Well, you're really at 
130, you know, and, and, and so getting, getting a heart rate strap, um, where the, the error is like two to three beats at, at most, um, gets you a lot closer to, to accuracy. So I know sometimes it's not, I, I know personally, it's not always comfortable. It's not always something that you, that you want to, to strap around, uh, ladies with the sports bra, sometimes it's, it's even more so of a, of a little bit of a discomfort issue. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to commit to heart rate training, um, you got to get yourself a heart rate strap. It's just it, it, the, the accurate, the, the margin of error is so much slimmer. Um, and accuracy matters a, a couple of beats per, per, per minute, um, can really make a difference from staying in the easy zone and sliding out of it. And if your margin of error is 30, well, I mean, you know, clearly you, right. you, you don't always know. And especially back to Christie's question, you might feel like you're running easy, but if you got this huge window of margin of error, you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just cruising along. And, and physiologically, your body's like, whoa, slow down, you know, like, but, but you don't not getting that feedback. So that's, that's yeah. a, a key place to start is with as much as I know, sometimes we have so much technology and sometimes running without technology is, is helpful um, and ideal. And, and if you're going to do heart rate training, you got like, you kind of got to, uh, if you, mm-hmm. like, again, if you're really going to commit to it, you, you, you really have to get a heart rate strap. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I know I, that's been a game changer for me once I, you know, got my new Garmin and I, and I invested in the chest strap, but Christy's actually wondering herself, um, you know, is there a favorite like chest strap monitor or is there ones that are better than others? Or are they pretty much just, you know, get the brand that syncs to your watch that you have? I mean, these days they're all pretty good. Um, a decade ago, it was, it was a little bit, I don't want to say sketchier, but you really had to be careful of which, which type would sync to what, what watch and things like that. And these days they're, they're pretty much universal. The one thing I would suggest is to get a sensor. And I think again, these days, I think they're pretty much universal across the board, but make sure it, it connects both to ant plus a and T plus and to Bluetooth. Um, because that way, most of the time the watches are the ant plus the, and whatever that, I don't know what the acronym is, but that's the technology that usually syncs with the watches. But if you ever want to sync to your phone, Bluetooth. So if you have one that can go both ways, you won't find yourself what I did when I was like, oh, I'll dabble in it. And I got like the, the cheaper one that was only synced to my watch and it was great. But then I was like, oh, I'm doing, you know, workouts on my, my spin bike and I want to use the, the Peloton app and I want to have my heart rate there. Oh, I need another strap that will actually connect or a sensor, you know, the, the sensor piece, the transmitter piece that will actually connect to the, the app itself. So um, like I said, these days, I'm pretty sure that anything new, whether it's Garmin, whether it's Polar, I use a, 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 a Wahoo, I think it's called, um, but they're all pretty good. The replacement straps that you might need every so often, usually the, the transmitters are all universal. They'll snap off and snap onto whatever new replacement strap if the sensors start to wear down after a couple of years. And those are like 10 bucks to replace, 15 bucks to replace. The initial sensor is like 70, 75 because it's got the, the transmitter piece. Um, but yeah, whatever one's on sale is probably going to be good. Just look for Bluetooth and Ant Plus connection and you'll be all set. Good tip. Good tip. And yeah, Ann is actually wondering um, if the anti-chafe creams wind up affecting the readings. Have you heard anything about that in terms of like changing the reliability of the chest straps? Because yeah, during these hot, sweaty, humid runs, like you definitely need the anti-chafe creams where your strap is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't verify that. And, but I would, I would, I would imagine that you'll have no issues as long as you're not putting this stuff right over the couple of sensors that are kind of right in front, like anything along the sides, you should be fine. And to, to, to lube up like crazy, as long as it stays uh, you know, stationary, right? Like you don't want to lube up so much that your strap is all sliding up and down. That would give you some, some funky readings as well. Um, but you know, if you're worried about like an arm swinging against it or just rubbing a little bit on your sides, 
little bit of, of anti-chafe stuff along the along those sides shouldn't be an issue. The only sensors are right right in front, kind of right right in front of your your rib cage. So uh, keep that area clean, and you'll be good. Yeah, and actually, uh, Cameron's adding that um, they actually have a brand of a sports bra that has the strap built in, and then go. you just have the transmitter portion, I guess, that you just add in there. So for you ladies- 2022. I mean, what, what will this world think of next? That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, all right. So we talked about kind of starting, and actually, and I'm sure this probably comes up a lot because even myself, this has been something that I've been kind of dedicating for my easy runs to- really control my heart rate a little bit more. And in the beginning, it was really hard and I've struggled. So is there anything that you tell your clients besides, you know, once it starts getting higher and it's not at that threshold point of staying aerobic besides walking, is there any other strategies or things that we can do to help control heart rate? You did mention already, like not having too much caffeine before you go out for your easy runs. Um, any other tips? Yeah. I mean, those, those are some of the big ones, like, like I said, or at least kind of like I've, I've stumbled into, um, if you go out first thing in the morning before life has a, a chance to just throw wrenches at you, I mean, you know, work stress and family stress and this and that and the other, that, that can build up through the day. Like, like it's for me, it's a lot easier to control my heart rate before coffee, before I open email, before I, I get into work mode, before any of that type of stuff happens. I, I know not everybody's a morning runner. Um, I know I didn't used to be a morning runner runner. It's kind of happened because living in Florida, like, 10 months of the year, you kind of have to be a morning runner if you're going to be out there for any extended period of time. Um, but, but getting out early is, is a good place to start. Um, you know, I mentioned sleep and passing, but like, that's such a huge piece of the puzzle. Like if you're getting good quality, restorative sleep, um, it makes a difference. If you're, if your sleep quality is poor, you're not getting enough sleep. Like it just can jack up the whole system. And, and no matter what time of day you're trying to run, whether it's first thing in the day, you know, midday evening, whatever, you're going to have a harder time keeping the heart rate down. Um, and, and one thing I think that, that also can, can help. And it's, it's, you kind of got to figure, like figure out the right paces or the right, you know, kind of, you kind of trial and error this a little bit on your own, but if you can, if you can slow down a little bit more, if you, if you know that you struggle to keep your heart rate down as the run progresses, you get to mile two, three, four, whatever, um, try to slow down a little bit in those first couple of runs, because like once the heart rate gets up and you kind of probably know this Dwayne, like it'll come down, but it's hard to really keep it down once, once it really gets up, once the engine gets revving. So if you can, you know, if, if you're struggling to get, keep it under 140, like, like, you know, just again, to put numbers on it, instead of making it hypothetical, you try struggling to keep it under 140 for the last part of your run. But the first phase, you're kind of in that 135 and it holds steady for a while to get to 140. Well, maybe try to back down that first mile or two, to where your heart rate's quote unquote only in the you know 120s, and then so that way as it creeps up, you can kind of just keep cruising, keep an eye on things, but it probably doesn't creep up beyond 140 by the time you finish that that recovery type of run. Yes, that means you're a little bit slower at the beginning. Um, some people worry about what well, my heart rate's not. Probably a good thing for your body. Right? Probably exactly, exactly. And and some people I've had people question push back a little bit. Well, you know, I'm going to get the most bang for my buck if I keep it right at 138 to 140, and like maybe, but like, we're not talking about a massive difference, like a fraction of a percent to not have to stress about, oh my gosh, my heart rate's 141. I need to slow it down or I need to walk or whatever. Like just keep it nice and, and easy. And if it creeps up a little bit towards the end of the run, you've got enough buffer that you'll, you'll probably be okay. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I think you bring up a good point about um, getting into work takes. I used to do that um, on the weekends for my long run where you know, I, I'd get up, I'd have, you know, my fuel, I'd have my oatmeal, my banana, right. And then like have my tea digest a little. So then I start working for like an hour, hour and a half. 
it's hard to pull away from the computer. And now I'm like anxious when I go out there because now it's getting freaking late. It's getting hot outside. So, and I used to notice like my heart rate would like spike right away. I would always, you know, get flat at the end of those long runs. Um, so I think you bring up a good point about not getting into, you know, the stressors of a work day. Um, if you're really looking to control that heart rate um, with the easy runs, because I've seen a difference with that. And yeah, even just going out, I think we all do it. And I think the more experience you get as a runner, it's a little easier to control this, but especially for you beginner runners out there, um, you know, we all tend to go out too fast mm -hmm. and, you know, we do it on race day and we do it in our training runs as well. And it's just so much easier to really make that conscious effort. Um, like Denny's talking about of really keeping it super easy for that first mile. And like I mentioned before, you know, for most of us in our forties, in our fifties, you know, our tendons actually like that to right. go slower because our blood flow is not as good to those tendons. And it is really good to allow a, a really good warm up. Like for example, this morning I actually just did a really hard track workout. And now I started doing two miles, easy, easy pace. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how much different I feel. And my body's actually ready to like hit those intervals hard versus like last year when I was only doing like a mile warm up. Um, it just, it's, you know, unfortunately, Hey, when we, once we get over 40, it's like, you know, we do need that extra time to really get that blood flow in, uh, warm the tissue. So, you know, not only is it good for heart rate training wise, but it's also good for your body to like stay healthy, especially for those of you who have been struggling with, you know, constant, you know, aches and pains or niggles here and there. Um, you know, this can be very effective and, you know, I'm kind of curious about length of time, right? Like if someone is saying, okay, I'm going to be like a firm heart rate training and I'm going to look at my number. Um, is there a recommended duration that someone should train before they see results? I don't know. Like, do you know of any like efficacy studies or like research that's been done? Like, Hey, you train with heart rate training for six months or 12 months, then, you know, you're, you know, easy pace, you know, gets a little faster or your race times are improved. Have you seen anything out there like that? Not really. I wish, I wish I could give a, a good firm answer. It, it's, this is definitely heart rate training and, and where, where quite frankly, a lot of people, you know, they, they try it for a few months, they try it for a training cycle and don't see much progress. And like, that's, that's kind of the norm. Uh, it's, it's going to be a, the exception to the rule that anybody sees a massive leap forward in their fitness in the first four, six, even probably eight to 12 months, like you'll see some progress. You'll hopefully feel better. Like that's, that's kind of the first metric that you might see is just like, if you find yourself feeling kind of just destroyed after every run, maybe not destroyed, but just fatigued, tired, hard to kind of go through the rest of your day. Um, and you really start to adopt some of the heart rate training stuff. You might notice that like, huh, like, yes, I was slower, but, but like I was able to play with the kids or do the yard work or do kind of all the other things, go through, go through day feeling, feeling good. Um, and so that kind of can be that first glimmer, but as far as like actual tangible pace improvements, things like that, um, like I said, I mean, you can see some glimmers of progress early, but it really is like a year plus to start to really feel like the needle is moving, which is tough. Cause you know, I mean, it's hard to stay patient that long. Uh, it's hard to really like continue to trust the process when you feel like the numbers aren't moving and things aren't really, you know, like, why do I keep doing this? And, and, you know, this is a, a dangerous thing to say to runners. So, so heed this with, with a, a word of warning, 
but it's also something that kind of like the more you do it, especially in the early stages, the more beneficial, the, the quicker the benefits come. But, you know, caveat, if you're, if your normal routine is to run three days a week, don't just jump into running seven days a week with heart rate training, thinking that it's going to make things like that's too much for your body, even running easy. So like, you know, over the course of months and years, you know, maybe you add an extra day, or you add more mileage, keeping it easy, that's going to help speed the process along as well. So there's a lot of moving parts or, or maybe slowly moving parts, uh, variables to, to consider. Um, but if, if, if you're just going to jump like, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to it for the next training cycle. Like, I wish I could tell you that you could expect massive PRs in, in 12 to 16 weeks. Um, but you're probably not. But again, if you stick with it long enough, um, not to make it all about me, but I guess I'm, I'm the guest, so I can make it somewhat about me. Right. <laughs> like some of my, my PRs, more, my more recent marathon PRs, just because of how schedules worked out, were actually like the second marathon in a week. So like I would do like one marathon on Saturday and then the next week do another marathon on Saturday or Sunday, kind of save myself in the first one, uh, because I knew I had another race coming up and then just went for broke on the second one. And like, not only did I beat my time from the week before, but I'd like PR, um, wow. just because the base was so strong and the recovery after yes, 26 miles the week before, but like, I wasn't pushing very hard. I don't know that I stayed quite perfectly in my aerobic zones that day, but I wasn't maxing out. So recovery came quicker. And then I was able to just drop the hammer the next week and, and PR and that's happened multiple times. Lots of variables again involved, but like, that's another kind of one of those things that in the first year wouldn't have seen that type of, of change, but after two years, three years, four years of consistently doing it, um, that's kind of some of the payoff that, that you can start to see the longer you stick with it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes sense. And I think for, you know, those beginner runners, um, again, if you're really looking to do this right and start that solid foundation and, and, you know, base training, um, you know, focusing on heart rate training makes sense to me. I guess my question to you is like for that, you know, person who's coming back for thirds, fourth marathon, they're looking to PR and let's say heart rate, you know, spikes aren't an issue in their training. Um, you know, is that when you start to implement more of like an 80, 20 rule and start to add in some of the speed work into their training? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Once, once you've kind of got that, that good base established, I mean, of course, you know, you still want the base to be the, at least in my view, you still want the base work, the, the aerobic work to be the majority of what you're doing. But absolutely, you know, if you, you've been running for a while, you've been healthy, you've been avoiding the injuries, you've been seeing some, some progress, um, let's throw down, you know, and then you can look at whatever type, whether it's short intervals, longer intervals, tempo runs. I mean, all the, the, the world is your oyster at that point. And, and again, when you're doing those hard workouts, you don't worry about your heart rate anymore. Like it's just whatever, you know, whatever the, the effort base is or whatever the, the pace goals are, like you're doing your best to hit it and your heart rate's going to be high. And that's okay. Like our, our, our we're physiologically, again, assuming good health and all those types of things, which if in this scenario would be, would be the case, like your body can handle it. You'll be all right. It'll recover. And, and you might even find that, that hitting some of those hard workouts, those key workouts, you might even be able to exceed expectations because you're typically going into it with a full tank because your easy runs have actually been easy. So like, you know, your, your body's prepped and primed and ready to go. And, and when you just throw down, like, you're like, well, damn, where did that come from? Well, it came from this aerobic base, this, this focus on running easy. And then when it's time to go hard, it's like riding a bike, like your body doesn't forget. Um, you, 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 the number of times I've had people go, I, I didn't, I thought I was getting slower, but man, this race, like, holy cow, or this, this workout, like, where did that come from? Well, it came from 
the easy miles. It's just, it's just doesn't make sense when you stop and think that I can run easy, run slower and actually not only maintain pace, but actually get faster that way. Like, but it, the, the science is there without going too deep in the rabbit hole. And, and for whatever my N equals one is worth, like I'll, I'll testify to it as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that is by far the most common thing that we have to coach our clients on. And I know, uh, coach Lou likes to do this with his clients is, you know, the speed work, he'll just make it harder. So it forces them to go easier that next day for the easier run. Um, or, you know, they get frustrated because they're not hitting the pieces that they should be hitting. And it's because they went too fast for their easy run the day before. Um, so, you know, there's different ways that we get into this, but I think, you know, myself reflecting back as, you know, in the start of my running journey, I definitely was running my easy runs too fast. I definitely was running my long runs too fast. And now I'm really starting to see the benefit, like you mentioned of, like I mentioned, I did track workout this morning, like nailed my paces. And it was like, but I'm so much more conscious and aware that yesterday's easy run, I was keeping it easy. And it was ridiculous dew point here in Connecticut. I felt like I was in Florida. It was like 92 degree uh, dew point. And, you know, it was running through thick air and I had to slow down to keep that heart rate in check. And like tomorrow's easy run, I know I'm going to make sure it's super easy so my body can recover and I can maintain my heart rate where it needs to be. So, you know, you stay healthy in the training. So again, for those, like, that's why, you know, Denny does this. That's why I do it. It's like, Hey, let's just teach you all the things that we learn the hard way, uh, in our training. And so you guys can be like fast tracked, right. And you don't have to make the mistakes that we made. Uh, no, this is, this is great. And, um, I don't know. I, I think those were all, really all the questions I had with heart rate training. Is there anything else that I kind of missed or, you know, that you would like to share? I mean, I think, I think we covered most of it I, again. I mean, just to, to reemphasize, get a heart rate strap if you're serious about it and keep the long view in mind. Like it's, it's a patience. It's, it's, it's patience is required with heart rate training, but you know, as endurance athletes, you know, whatever type of endurance, you know, distance you run, like, running is kind of a patience required sport anyway, even though we always want to speed things up. We want the hacks. We want the, the, the quickest way to get there. Sometimes I heard a, a quote one time that, you know, that, that don't take shortcuts because they take too long. And I feel like that's, that's the case with building up. You can take the shortcuts and try to do all the hard workouts, but it's kind of a, not if, but when you're going to break down and then you lose all this progress You keep it steady build with whether it's heart rate training, just running based on effort, whatever, but keeping your easy runs easy. Uh, goes a long way to staying on track and slowly, slow and steady, you know, the tortoise and the hare, slow and steady wins the race. So, um, and obviously if you have any, ever have any questions, I'm happy to, to, you know, pop into the group with it, with any questions, tag me in the group or, or shoot me a message on social media. I'm always happy to clearly always happy to talk heart rate training. I, I can, I can go till I'm blue in the face. So happy to answer any questions along the way. Yeah. And then really, I appreciate that. And, you know, we're in kind of the final stretch here, which is like the last question we ask all our guests. And, you know, if you can change one thing about the misconception of heart rate training, you know, what would that be? Um, it's, it's, I mean, kind of just going back to, to a little bit of a theme here, but like the fact that you can slow down and still get faster, you know, there's still much of this, no pain, no gain. If you know, you're not, you're not just killing it every day. You're not making progress. And, and, I mean, I don't know that that really applies anywhere, but especially in terms of us as endurance athletes, um, you know, if you're, if you're killing yourself every day, man, you're, you're, you're making it harder for yourself to make progress year after year. So, you know, just, just having that, that perspective that you can slow down and it will help you get faster. Um, and then not for nothing at some point, and I'm not quite there yet, but you know, at some point 
it starts to become really hard to get your heart rate up towards your, your, whatever your line of demarcation is because your aerobic system is getting so strong that you have to like run pretty hard to, to get even close to that line. And, and that's really where the magic happens. Cause then you can kind of be at race pace and it's still easy. And now that now, you know, Bob's your uncle and, and who knows what you can do on race day. So just keep the faith, keep the long-term perspective in mind. Um, and, and don't worry about all this, no pain, no gain stuff. And what, what your stats look like on Strava, like trust the process. It'll work for you. I love it. And yeah, like I say, you know, we need to train in order to run and running is not your, you know, it's not your boot camp class. It's not a hit class. Like every time you go out there and run, you shouldn't be working at an eight out of 10 effort and trying to, you know, feel like you've released every endorphin possible because you worked out so hard. Um, you know, if you want to do it for longevity, as Denny mentioned, you know, we need to be smart about how we train and it is remarkable on how slowing down, um, for the majority of your runs throughout the week can actually get you faster. And I always get comments like a lot of times, you know, I'll post some of my, you know, paces for like my easy runs, which for me is like basically low tens. And then they see, I can run a half marathon at an eight minute pace or sub eight. And people comment like, Hey, I see all your runs on Strava or like a 10 something. Like, I guess that actually works to like slow down so you can actually race fast. And yeah, it works guys. It works. Denny's like not lying here. Um, so yeah, no, this was uh, super helpful. I'm sure there are going to be many runners who really, um, you know, resonated honestly with your message and about running and, you know, want to learn a little bit more about your podcast and your entertaining emails. Like I'm subscribed to your email list. I love your emails, by the way. They're just awesome. I, I read all of them. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is great. It's like, not only like, how you can, and I want to get a little better at this, but like how you can relate any life situation to running is just amazing. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I read all your emails or if someone like wants to buy your book, you know, where can our healthy runner community connect with you? Well, I, like you mentioned at the beginning, uh, disruns.com is, is kind of the, the main headquarters. Uh, I'm pretty much at disruns on all, all things social. Uh, Twitter is probably my favorite although I'm on Instagram, of course, as well. And, and Facebook, you can find me there if you just search for Diz Runs or switch for my name if you want to connect to me personally. Um, the book is available on Amazon and Kindle. Um, so you can you get a hard copy or a, a digital copy, whatever whatever floats your boat. And of course, you know, if you, whatever, whatever podcast app, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm not there. I used to be kind of, kind of dabbled with it. It just became too much of a headache. Um, but any podcast app, uh, just search for Diz Runs and you'd find the show. And there's only I don't know, whatever we're at thousand something episodes to, to catch up on. Not that you need to go all the way back, but if you do, I'll give you, I'll give you, I don't know. I'll give you something. We'll, we'll find a, a prize for if you're going all the way back to episode one. Although the first couple hundred little rough, little rough, uh, if, if I may, may say so. So maybe start at four or 500 and work your way back from there. But, uh, uh Diz runs radio comes out every Monday and Friday. So, you know, tune in, uh, on, on, you know, listen to Dwayne, listen to me, listen to everybody else. Uh, lots of good, good podcasts out there of various, various methods, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find if you just search for Diz Runs. That's that's uh, I'll pop up just about wherever. Awesome, and yeah, we'll definitely put all those links in our show notes as always. And yeah, I say the same thing, uh, Denny. It's like when someone's like, "Oh yeah, I just found your podcast," and I'm going back and like watching everyone from the beginning, and I like cringe. I'm like, cringe. Uh, maybe like skip the first 20, 30 episodes <laughs> when I was like still learning like how to do this thing. Um, but yeah, you have a man. You have a full body of work of episodes. I'm not going to lie. Once I found out about you and, you know, started following your show and listening to it during my runs, I was a little overwhelmed. I'm like, man, do I need to like go back and listen to all of these? 
Um, so yeah, I would recommend for those that are um, getting in some of Danny's world and, you know, pick the topics, the, the titles that sound good to you. I like the format, how you switch things up and having guests versus quick takes that you call or Q and A's. Um, yeah, I think you guys will, you know, if you're loving the healthy runner podcast and you'll definitely love uh, Denny's show as well. Um, so yeah, thanks again. This was fun. And uh, you guys who start following Denny's show, you will see myself on his show coming out in, uh, by the time this is released on the podcast, it will already be out there. So you can check out our episode uh, that we, we chatted about on Denny's show. And yeah, I appreciate you coming on, Denny. This has been fun as always. Uh, thanks again. Oh, well, I appreciate it, Dwayne. And I'm, I'm sure one way or the other, hopefully we'll be able to do this again at some point, but thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Once you get settled in Georgia there and uh, you get some time back and you're all moved in, then yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again. And thank you uh, to all the listeners who, uh, you know, checked us out, whether you were, you know, listening on the Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, on the podcast or within our Healthy Runner Facebook community. Um, you know, let's always maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Until next time. Hey, healthy runners, have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, that is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library, and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted Healthy Runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, 
follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkyourtraining. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the -the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.